You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. Sam Martin corrals the snap. It's a short punt. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Jets win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. It's time for our weekly visit with the Hall of Famer, John McClain. From Sports Radio 610, right now on Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. That was the game winner right there for Monday Night Football. Rookie Xavier Gibson, undrafted free agent out of, out of, uh, what was he? Uh, hey, hold on. I just had it in my, on my head. I just had it. I know where it is. It's Stephen F. Austin. It's my guy, Smokey School. Ha! How did I blank on Stephen F. Austin? But, yeah, the young man, the undrafted free agent, takes it to the house. That's how the Jets win the game on Monday Night Football. Join us now on the phone lines from Sports Radio 610 is my guy, John McClain. And, John, thanks so much. And I can't believe I blanked on David Smoke School, Stephen F. Austin. How can I do that? Well, it's because you've been long gone from Texas now, and you are <laughs> – a, you are in Vegas, and you're all about the Raiders, so it's an easy thing to do, especially considering most people had no clue where he's from. One of the best things on Hard Knocks I saw was they refused to let uh, Hard Knocks film players being cut. Other teams had done that. So what they did was they had two instances with undrafted rookie receivers, including him, bring them in there. They thought they were going to get cut. And Robert Sala and general manager Joe Douglas told them they'd made the team. I thought that was very exciting. And then to see him do that, that was even more exciting. And I thought it showed so much resolve by the Jets to see the life sucked out of Jet Life Stadium on Aaron Rodgers' injury and still come back and win the game. Truthfully, the Bills gave that game away. Josh Allen was horrible. Their coverage on that punt return was horrible. But I think under the circumstances, other than Western New York, probably everybody was a Jets fan because they felt so bad for the Jets, Robert Sala, the players and fans, and, of course, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, so we find out today, it gets confirmed, that he is, in fact, out for the season. He's got the Achilles tear. John, what do the Jets do now? What do they do at the quarterback position? They can't possibly ride out Zach Wilson this year, could they? Well, why not? They've done it for two two years, and why not put him out there? I mean, you're not going to go find another starter to come step in and learn the offense and run it. What they need, besides Tim Boyle, is a veteran backup who could play if he doesn't play well. You know, they invested so much in Wilson. They hadn't given up on him. And if you watched Hard Knocks like I did every episode, Aaron Rodgers and him, he had a really good relationship. And Rodgers was doing things to try to help him. And that wouldn't have been anything but positive. I hope when Rodgers is rehabbing, instead of going on to California, that he's right there with the Jets in meetings, uh, at practice, doing everything he can to help Wilson and help that help that team compete for a wild card berth. I don't think anybody's going to be talking Jets and Super Bowl. But when you got a running game like they do, and a great defense, and quarterback doesn't turn it over, he got a shot. What did you think when you saw Aaron Rodgers go down after four plays? I just thought he got sacked. Dwayne Brown, the left tackle, who's like 37 or 38, he played here mm-hmm. in Houston for a long time, and 
he'd been out with an injury, and he looked like a guy that had been out with an injury, and you know he felt terrible. As Dwayne always did when he was here, he sat there in his locker and answered every question. And uh, for everybody, he's going to get a lot of people. Well, Dwayne Brown gave up the sack that cost us Aaron Rodgers. The thing about Achilles injuries, and I, I read a great story in The Athletic today about the difference in a running back like J.K. Dobbins, who went out against the Texans in Baltimore uh, on grass, and uh, Kevin Durant, who had a difference in basketball, football, quarterback, and a running back. And if everything goes according to plan, they can come back as early as four months or as late as six months. And so that means he would be healthy, even at 40, turns 40 on December 2nd, going into the off-season program. And you know Rodgers does not want his career to end on Monday night football with a ruptured Achilles tendon. You know, he doesn't have a family he's got to worry about. I think that you'll see him work his tail off and come back, and hopefully for him, football life can resume at 40. John McClain is our guest from Sports Radio 610 here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. I've seen a lot of players, including Aaron Rodgers' former uh, offensive lineman David Bakhtiari, talk about the turf there at MetLife Stadium. We've heard, John, for years, players complaining about turf, whether it's their knees, Achilles, or whatever. Is there ever going to be a change to the turf, or is it just something that's here to stay? The NFL will tell you that all their studies show there are no more injuries that happen on artificial surface, and that artificial surface is constantly changing in grass. You know, grass is more trouble, you know, especially in the north when the, it, it gets cold and it dries, you have to constantly change it. But the, problem, the thing is, the owners make so much money. They can do whatever they want to do. And what irks a lot of the players, and I don't blame them, they will change out the grass for the World Cup for soccer players because they insist on it, and yet they won't do it for their own players. And I know that drives them crazy. Yeah, it does, and that's something that Bakhtiari mentioned on Twitter. He was going off on a series of tweets, and that was exactly something he referenced was the World Cup and the fact that they switched things out for those players and not the NFL players. So you mentioned Josh Allen, and he was awful. John, he had 17 turnovers last year. He's already got four after one game. At what point do the Buffalo Bills rein that guy in, or is this just who he is? I think it's who he is, and they were hoping as he got older and more mature and more experienced he wouldn't play like that. But last season, he had six turnovers in the red zone. That was more than his combined first four seasons. So it tells me, Q, he's trying to kind of be a hero. He's trying to force plays. We know he's got a great arm. And sometimes when you have a great arm, you think you're invincible, and you try to put it in tight windows, and it gets intercepted. And uh, you run with the ball a lot like he does. You get fumbles. But that is the main thing with Josh Allen is he has got to learn to cut back on his turnovers. Now, he's a great quarterback. He'll bounce back. But, man, he and Joe Burrow, what horrific performances. Burrow had an excuse. He's been out a while with that calf injury, and he couldn't maneuver like he usually does. But he had the worst game of his career. And you say, okay, they didn't play much if at all in preseason. And then you see Tua Tungabailoa go to L.A., and just carve up the Chargers with, what, 469 yards? Yeah. And he acted like it was the 10th game of the season. So Trevor Lawrence played well. Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, 
you know, there were big upsets in the, in the, in football, uh, Brock Purdy played well. So yeah. I don't know if there's anything to playing or not playing, but I'll guarantee you teams that have quarterbacks play bad and their offense play bad. They're going to be thinking about, okay, what, what are we going to do next year? When they get to all season, they're going to say, how are we going to handle training camp and preseason this year? Because we don't want to get off to that kind of start again. When it comes to the Bills and their run game, John, how come they haven't made a bigger effort to have a real legit run game instead of relying on Josh Allen so much? It is well they they don't rely they do it out of necessity and he runs when the plays are not called to him. They let their starter for the last three years leave and come to Houston, Devin uh Singletary, who's the backup to Damian Pierce, and then that's because they wanted to elevate James Cook. Dalvin Cook's brother, he was supposed to be the guy, but they until they get a really good running back, and maybe Cook will be the guy, they're still going to have that issue. They don't want Josh Allen to try to perform the heroics that he does. They want him to be more conservative. They want him to be uh, smarter, smarter with the ball. And I think with time, although this is sixth year, you'd think by now that he would have learned to be more cautious and careful and and take what is there. Somebody said, and I can't remember, oh, is Eli Manning. Sometimes a punt's not a bad play. And right. In other words, punt the ball, don't try to be a hero and risk a turnover. John McClain is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Speaking of Eli Manning, how about his old team, the Giants? They got blanked on Sunday night football 40-0 to by the Cowboys. What did you see from that game? In the state of Texas, Q, you lived here long enough to know this, when the Longhorns and the Cowboys win a big game early, <laughs> Dallas and Texas are back, baby. And their fans <laughs> get so fired up, and they always get let down. You know, Longhorns played a great game at Alabama, giving their props. Mm. Cowboys just wiped the floor with the Giants. What a bad time for New York sports fans. The Yankees and Mets are trying to avoid finishing last place together for the first time in history. The Giants got crushed and humiliated by the Cowboys, and the Jets, even though they won, everybody, all Jets fans are depressed about Rodgers. You know, they're probably, where are the Knicks? Mm -hmm. Where are the Rangers? And uh, I don't feel bad for them, of course, but uh, and I, I just think it was they were so defeated. Brian Dable was so defeated after that game. They're already talking about, well, did the Giants need to try to go for one of these quarterbacks and somehow get rid of Daniel Jones after one game when we have so much overreaction. And I also want to say congratulations to the Raiders and Jimmy G. It's not surprising Josh Jacobs didn't do anything. He missed too much time. We've talked about a bunch. Running backs need to get their legs, and he will. But it was such a Jimmy Garoppolo game, wasn't it? He took yes. 200 yards, you're safe, two touchdowns. He had a 107 rating high percentage, and that's why they got him. If they could keep him healthy for the only second time in his career, you know, they might they might, might be them instead of the Chargers that finished the second to the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, of course, are vulnerable. 
Yeah, they do. You know, especially without Travis Kelsey, they got Chris Jones back. But now, you know, without Travis Kelsey, they still look like they, uh, they're they going to struggle offensively to have some reliable receiver. I want to go back to Jimmy G real quick. And, you know, I've asked this a few times. It's just he just seems to win games. It's not the prettiest. It's not the most pleasing to the eyes all the time. But he finds ways to win. John, what is it about Jimmy G just makes him a winner? His, his personality is the opposite of, say, a guy like Josh Allen who has to do everything himself, who has to try to make big plays, who forces the ball, who runs a lot. Garoppolo is – and I'm not saying Josh Allen's selfish. That's just who he is. It's his right. DNA. He's a big guy. He runs. He's big as a tight end. He's got a great arm. Garoppolo knows he doesn't have a great arm, and he will do the little things, avoid the turnovers. I know he had – one interception, but avoid the turnovers, be safe, move the chains. You don't have to throw it 30 yards over the middle and work and risk a ricochet interception. He's just smart. He's got football smarts, and a lot of that comes from where he came from, and he came from New England, coached very well by Josh McDaniels, and he came from the 49ers, coached very well by Kyle Shanahan. That is great instruction for a young quarterback He's not young anymore, but learning throughout his career. There's a lot of quarterbacks, Q. If you put them with Josh McDaniels and you put them with Kyle Shanahan and they're going to come out, it's like they've been in the wash, and they're going to come out a lot smarter and safer and, and with less ego than a lot of quarterbacks who haven't played for coaches like that. On the flip side of things, what did you see from uh, Russell Wilson and Sean Payton in their debut together? Well, truthfully, I'm so glad the Raiders won. I watched Sean Payton to lose after his offseason, all that mouthing off. You know, Russell Wilson only threw for 177 yards, but he had two touchdowns and no interceptions. You know, when was it that Payton tried the onside kick that backfired? Uh, on the first, yeah, it was the first play of the game, the opening yeah. kickoff. <laughs> yeah, that that worked in the Super Bowl, but right. to me. You know, you're right. I, sometimes that's trying to be too cute. You don't need to do it to start the season against a division rival. And uh, I know the first play doesn't end up costing you the game, but boy, when you look at the score, you say, boy. That cost him the game. You know, John, and I wanted to ask you this, and we'll wrap up with this one. Now the Raiders have beat the Broncos seven times in a row. How much of maybe that onside kick was the, the Broncos and Sean Payton really trying to stick it to the Raiders and get from off that losing streak? I don't think he was thinking about a losing streak. He was thinking about trying to win that game, his first game. He was trying to be too cute. And if it worked, it'd been great. But if it right. didn't work, it backfired, left him with egg on his face, and he got beat by one point. The best thing about that game for the Broncos, Q, was that Russell Wilson was better than he was last year. And yeah. if he keeps getting better, then that's bad news for the for the division and the conference. But I want to see a bigger body of work for him with Peyton. But the bottom line is the Broncos are 0-1. Right, exactly, and the Raiders are the only team right now in the AFC West with a win, and I know all the Raider Nation will take that with a big smile on their face. John, fantastic stuff as always. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? I've got an Astros column about the American League West uh, on SportsRadio610.com. I'm about to have one about the Texans' offensive line that's already on its third left guard, its third center, and its fourth Oof. right tackle. I've never seen an offensive line have so many injuries 
so early in the season. Q, thank you very much, as always. Appreciate you, John. Thank you. There he goes, the great John McClain right there, Sports Radio 610 on Twitter, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And uh, you heard John right there say, uh, I don't mind Sean Payton losing. Matter of fact, I wanted Sean Payton to lose. Uh, I like that. I'm not mad at that at all. John never uh, hesitated to call it how he sees it, and we definitely appreciate him for that. Uh, get a couple texts in real quick on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. We asked your thoughts on the Raiders' next opponent after seeing what Buffalo did on Monday Night Football losing to the Jets. You heard what John McClain had to say about Josh Allen, and I think there's a lot to be said right there with what John had to say about Josh Allen and the fact that he has to be the hero as opposed to what Jimmy G has to do. Jimmy G is not worried about stats. Jimmy G is not worried about what tier of quarterback he's in. Jimmy G is worried about winning games. I think that goes a long way. And, again, all this is learning for me. I'm learning all this on the fly. This is not something that came out the top of Q's mind, and he's like, man, I knew this the whole time. I ain't that guy, right? <laughs> I, I did not know that this was going to be what the Raiders were going to get with Jimmy G. I really did not know exactly what to expect from Jimmy G. But, I mean, a guy like John McClain has been around the game for many, many moons is, is talking about Josh Allen and what he has to have and the style that he has to play, the only thing he knows which is be the hero, right? And so Jimmy G's not worried about being the hero, and that goes a long way. Is it flashy? Is it sexy? No, right? Is it going to put you in the top ten of quarterbacks and this, that, and the other, the conversation with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and all? No, no. But if you win games, is that all the sexy you need, right? That's what it's all about It's winning games at the end of the day. I thought that was a great breakdown from John McClain. So what are your thoughts on Buffalo after you saw what they did on Monday Night Football? And what do you feel the Raiders need to do to focus in on this week to clean up in preparation for next Sunday's game? Uh, Poncho said he's out the 209. He said, what up, Q's Poncho? What I noticed from Allen is he's not that accurate outside the pocket. If our defensive lineman can maintain pressure on him and our secondary play tight, smart football, I can see a couple interceptions next game. They are beatable. We just need to play smart and fast because they are quick. That's from Poncho out the 209, and I think that's the best, best line right there, what he said. They are beatable. We just need to play smart and fast because they're quick. And I, I paused on smart because that's the key. They've got to play smart, right? Guys like, and I don't know what's going to be Trayvon Merrick's uh, status as he had a club on his hand following the game on, uh, during the game, matter of fact, on Sunday. I don't know what his status is going to be. Marcus Epps, you know, he, he's going to be needed to be out there and be smart. Like, these guys are going to have to be smart uh, football players, understand the situation uh, to go in there and, and defeat Buffalo. And it's going to be tough. It ain't going to be no walk in the park. You're not just going to show up and get a dub. But if you play smart situational football, then they have a chance, right? And that's going to go for all three levels of the defense, the defensive line, the linebackers, and, of course, the, the back end. They all have to play smart intelligent football if they do that they're going to give themselves a chance and as I mentioned off the top man Josh Allen the gunslinger that he is is going to give the Raiders a couple chances to make plays the thing is can the Raiders make the plays when the ball's in the air and given the opportunity or the way that Josh Allen runs the ball you can strip sack him right this is something that's a key as well getting that strip sack punching the ball out doing stuff like that that's what you have to do as well uh let's see we got a text from <laughs> Snake Man, <laughs> Q, two to three tablespoons straight honey and some soda will knock out that itchy throat. And the, and the next time you or anyone listening gets bad hiccups, eight ounces water, drank through a paper towel, 
100% every time will end those bad boys, guaranteed. That's from Snake Man there. So there's that. Thanks so much for that. I appreciate you. And yeah, I think I'm good to go now, right? It's, it, it comes and goes, man. There's moments, right? And it's all because of that damn adult Lunchable. I don't know what was in it. I don't know what it was all about. But that adult Lunchable got me, and I ain't been right since. <laughs> I, I really honestly, I don't know. I have, uh, I have no idea what it was that that, uh, that 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 thing was made of. But man, I just I ain't been the same. And and people, when I was in Bristol, they kind of laughed when I ate it. So apparently, they've had that experience as well. Uh, got this text from the six one nine. I know just what you mean with those adult lunchables. Used to have those when I worked at FedEx Ground. Those things cut your mouth up for real. That's from the six one nine. There you go. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, a shout-out to FedEx Ground. I used to work there as well. Started out as a guy that loaded the trucks late night, early morning, whatever you used to call it. That was the worst job ever, by the way. Worst job ever. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it was the worst job that I enjoyed. Now, I had a job one time that I really hated, and I worked half a shift, and I left for lunch. Or, no, I left for break, and I'm still breaking. <laughs> I know. I, I promise you, Ari, I got this extra job one time. There was no reason for it, too. I had like two or three jobs at the time. I had no reason to even get this job. But I thought, oh, I'll get another little overnight job, and I'll make a little extra money. It'll be cool. So I was working at Target, right? One day I worked at Target. Maybe that's why I wear red polos, because I had the red polo. <laughs> I was, I was working at Target. Dog, one day I worked at Target, not even a full shift, and I showed up for the overnight shift when we had to stock the shelves. Well, when I worked at the grocery store, when we unloaded the truck, they came out on a pallet. They came up all wrapped up, right? You went and got the big pallet truck and everything, and you pulled it out and out of the truck, and then you moved it to wherever. Nah, bro. Not at Target. That was not the case. At Target, they backed that big-ass truck up, right? They backed the truck up to the dock, opened it up. There was literally something that you roll up, and you put it inside the truck, and they manually put product by product by product on this roller and pushed it back. And people like me, dummies like me, had to separate it on the pallets. Like, okay, this is toiletries. This is food. This is snacks. You know, I got to put it on. Man, look. Man, look. That sounds pretty bad. I'm not oh, it was lie. the worst. Like, it, it didn't make any Did kind of sense. Like, I thought I was getting punked. I was like, you, you guys aren't serious, right? I mean, this, there's got to be a better system than this, right? So, first of all, it took us half the shift just to get the damn truck unloaded. And then they're like, okay, now we're going to take the pallets that you built and we're going to take them out to the, to the floor and you got to load the, or you got to stock the shelves. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. All right. Like in my mind, at that point, I already knew, like, I'm out. Like, I ain't staying around here. Even if I didn't have another job, I'm out. Like, I'd rather not have any money than have this money. All money ain't good money, right? I was not Correct. good with that. So. Dog, no joke. We rolled that the pallet out to the to the floor, and I was standing around, and I was putting I was just putting stuff on any shelf. I didn't care, right? Because I knew I wasn't coming back. Finally, they're like, "Hey, Q, have you had a break yet?" I was like, "No, not yet." They said, "Oh, you want to take a break?" I said, "Sure do." I said, "All right." So I started to take my shirt off, and they're like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Oh, nothing." I walked out to the car, brother. I still ain't been back. <laughs> Nobody caught on with the shirt either. Man, look, I was not having it. I was gone. I was like, this is for the birds, you man. You seen Goodbye. that guy Q, anybody? No, but what's <laughs> funny is I went back into that store like eight months later, and somebody recognized me. They're like, hey, I think you have a paycheck here. <laughs> That's awesome. And they eventually paid me for like the there four or go. five hours that I worked. And I was like, man, 
I don't even deserve this check. You guys should take this back for for the trouble that it took for me to fill out paperwork and all that. Like, the time that I wasted of yours, I mean, you wasted my time too, but. I am not a fan of, of you know, the uh, quick quick employees. They always, the, you know, the week or two that, that last that long. Man, look, I lasted, happens I lasted half a shift. Yeah, you you especially. Like, that I'd be was, like, man, that guy Q was cool or whatever, but screw him. Yeah, like, that's no, how I, was, I was gone. I left all my teammates hanging. I don't even care. Yeah. I, it I happens at a- every job at I went point, AWOL honestly. on him, brother. <laughs> Can't win them all. No, and I wasn't trying to win that one at all. No, 702-365-9200. Manny, calling from Denver. What's on your mind, Manny? Welcome to the show. You guys hear me? Yes, sir. You know, about the Bills, man, what it's going to take. I mean, every team but, what, four or five offenses looked rusty this this uh, this past week. You know, week one, knocking off the rust. Raiders are going to need more points to beat that Bills team, especially in Buffalo. You know, right, historically that early kickoff does not go well. Um, you know, I know that second half looks like to me the Raiders just sat back in the second half and said if Russell Wilson's going to beat us, let him beat us. Um, you know, that's what it looked like to me. And, again, they would have 47 yards of passing the second half. Um, but, you know, I do not expect the Bills to look like that come Sunday. Uh, first home game, all those things. The Raiders are going to have to put up some points this week, and they are going to have to get a get a, a turnover or two to win on the road in Buffalo, especially early. I like it. Manny, great call, Manny. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for, a couple turnovers. And I know we're not doing keys to the game just yet, but, yeah, I'm going to look for a couple turnovers, and, and the Raiders are going to have to score more than 17 points. 17 points, 10, 10, uh, 10 penalties for 96 yards. Is it going to get it done? against the Buffalo Bills that are going to come in fired up after their performance that they had on uh, on Monday Night Football against the Jets. So good stuff, Manny. Thank you so much for that call. We do appreciate you. 325 is the time when we come back. Gary Myers, author of What's a Giant? He'll join the show. We'll talk all things NFL and talk about his new book that is on shelves now. Not because I put him on the shelf, because I don't stock shelves. Clearly that's the one job your boy can't do. But we'll talk about that next here on Rare Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Portasubs. Make sure you check out Portasubs six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Portasubs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at Portasubs.com. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Got a text from Mailman Raider. Q, we just had one of those last week. This lady walked off, walked half a mile, asked how many more miles we got. Just eight more to go. She said, yeah, take me back to the office. I've seen at least 100 people quit here in my five years. That's Mailman Raider talking about a lady quitting on the first day of the job, just like I did when I was – Stocking shelves at Target, but that's because, well, that's not what I do. Join us now on the phone lines. The author of Once a Giant is in stores now is Gary Myers. And, Gary, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you. Before we get into the book, and congratulations on it being out today, before we get into the book, I did want to ask you, you're there in New York. You saw the Giants get blanked by the Cowboys. You saw what happened with Aaron Rodgers on Monday Night Football. Is this the best day for for, uh, anything going on football-wise in New York? Wow, I mean, I was I was telling somebody this morning too that um, I can't even remember back to back days for the Giants and Jets where something happened to each one of them, be ever being any worse 
since the Jets came into existence as the Titans in 1960. When you think about the Giants, who some considered to at least be on the fringe of a Super Bowl contender, getting blown out at home 40 to nothing, and then the Jets, who had that stadium rocking last night, leading up to the introductions, and after an off-season of Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, and then to lose them on his fourth snap with a Achilles injury that's going to put him out for the season. I mean, it, it, it just couldn't possibly have been any worse, um, any worse scenario that you could have come up with for those two teams, you know, prior to the weekend. And um, I think, you know, the Giants can rebound from this as only one game. I, I don't know. All right, we lost them there. And this time it wasn't my fault. <laughs> this time I can vouch for that. This time it was not my fault. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, man, that, that happens sometimes. That it, we'll, uh, we'll reconnect with Gary, but he was uh, talking about the, the back-to-back days for the Giants and the Jets. Yeah, I can only imagine, man. At least the Giants, they know that they got another game to play. The Jets, they'd have, they have you know 16 more games to play, but now they got to wonder what they're going to do with their quarterback position uh, as they have Zach Wilson right now. Robert Sala said that that's their guy moving forward, but we'll see about that. And Gary Myers now joins us back on the phone lines. And Gary, you were just talking about with the Jets. You don't know what they were going to do next now that they don't have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, if you watched the game last night, it's not exactly like Zach Wilson came in and lit it up. Uh, they, they tried to play around him. Uh, and he was the second pick in the draft. This is his third year, and I haven't seen any bit of improvement in him since he, since he first got here. And the, the Jets are a team that was built to contend for a Super Bowl this year, You know, not only with Aaron Rodgers, but bringing Lazard and, and Cobb and some other players. And they, um, they have a dynamic pass rush. They have a really, really good defense. They run the ball really well. So, but Rodgers was supposed to make up for any shortcomings anywhere on the team, and I just don't know that Zach Wilson can do that. So uh, yeah. I'm not going to say the Jets' season is over because I still think they can contend for a wild card spot. But you know these great expectations of being a Super Bowl contender is just not realistic. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't see it either. And Zach Wilson did not look very good on Monday Night Football, and the the Jets still found a way to win it, mostly because of uh, Josh Allen and the fact that he just kept turning the ball over. So, Gary, I've heard a lot of people say, okay, well, the Jets need to go out and make a move for a quarterback uh, that's not Zach Zach Wilson. Is there a guy that you see that's available and out there that could be a potential, like, realistic option for the Jets at this point? Well, I know the Raiders have a co-owner who used to be a pretty good quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> oh, good old Tom, right? <laughs> do you do you? I heard someone else suggest that earlier. Do you think that that would honestly be a realistic option? Uh, no, but I think it's worth a phone call to his agent to find out. I mean, Tom has always enjoyed New York. His oldest son lives here. Um, I mean, I, honestly, I think I, I don't think he has any interest in playing anymore. And right. I know Tom fairly well, although I have not talked to him in a couple of years. I did a book, you know, Brady versus Manning, that. Um, so I got to know him fairly well during that period of time. But if, if Brady was to sign with the Jets this year and the Jets won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, I would tell you, I would submit, that would be one of the five greatest sports stories of all time. Considering how bitter the rivalry was between the 
Patriots and the Jets, the the competition between New York and Boston sports teams, Tom just being honored on Sunday in Foxborough, <laughs> and he was to turn around and sign with the Jets. And it's a ready-made situation. This team is as good as the Tampa team that he went to in 2020. Yeah, true. Um, I just don't think, I don't think he can ever put on a Jets uniform. This is even deeper than Roger Clemens, you know, p- pitching for the Yankees. I, I just don't see that. I don't see it happening. But I definitely would pursue it because who else is there? There's Matt Ryan, right. Colt McCoy, Joe Flacco. Nah. The, the <laughs> Jets are sticking with, unless a Tom Brady or somebody like that. And, and let, me, let me go back. There is nobody else like that. Unless Tom Brady was to fall in their lap and say, yeah, you know, I got the itch again, and uh, this would be a really cool situation to go into. Unless something like that happens, then um, Zach Wilson's going to be the quarterback of the Jets this year. Well, they got the defense and they got the run game to lean on, <laughs> and those are both That's right. really, really outstanding. Again, Gary Myers is our guest. He's the author of Once a Giant here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Of course, this is about the 86 Super Bowl champs, uh, the, the, the great team, and then life after that. So tell us about the book and, and what inspired you to write this book. Yeah, um, I, I thought that life after football, I think that life after football is such an important topic. Um and what happens to these guys when they get into their 50s and 60s? People lose track of them once their careers are over. But they're really suffering. Players from that generation are really suffering. They didn't make the money that they make today. They, the health insurance cut off after about a year and a half. So unless they were in a, a good job with good, good benefits, um, a lot of this health insurance is coming out of their pocket. And now they're at the age that, um, things start really to go wrong that don't go wrong with the average person, you know, knee and shoulder and, and hip replacements, um, a lot of mental health, health issues that can be traced to football careers. So I, want, I wanted to write about that subject, and I wanted to write about one team and that subject. And uh, the 86 Giants, to me, are one of the two or three best teams of the Super Bowl era. And I live in New York. I know I already knew a lot of those guys ahead of time. So the trust factor was built, was already established. And um, they were just incredibly forthcoming with me about some of the things that they've gone through in their life after football. And, um, yeah, it might be about a New York team, but it really could be about any team. It's just I chose to write about this team. But the things they're experiencing, for the most part, are not unique to the 86 Giants, the 86 Raiders or the 86 Chargers or whoever, uh, they're likely going through a lot of the same type issues. I'm glad you brought that up, and I think that that's so important. And we really start to focus now, especially now, on mental health. Uh, over the past, what, handful of years, yeah. we've really learned a lot about mental health. But when, when sharing some of these stories that they shared with you, I mean, what really stood out, like blew your mind that even though you've covered the NFL for a long time, that you didn't even realize was going on? Well, just that nobody – escapes from this game unscathed, except maybe the kicker and the punter, if they were fortunate enough not to have a kick returned where they had to make a tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, everything else is a contact position. It's a collision sport. Uh, these are high-speed car crashes that happen on every play. And so everybody, each one of them has something to matter with them that you can trace to football. And... Um, 
some obviously, you know, much worse than others. And I want to make a blanket statement and say everybody, but right. just about everybody I spoke to from that 86 team had something the matter with them. And some of them are fairly drastic, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a stroke, uh, a brain tumor, five players admitted to me, you know, on the record that at one point in their post football life that they considered suicide, you know, fortunately they sought help and, um, and they're, and they're doing great today, but all kinds of things that, you know, in addition to what the everyday person goes through as they get older, they have to deal with all these things that are caused by their job. And, um, some of the stories are really heartbreaking. I believe it. I really do. And and you you said it perfectly. These are high-speed car crashes that happen every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whenever the case may be, all game long for four quarters. And for these guys to survive yep. it, something's got to be happening to their bodies. Again, Gary Myers is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So, you know, we're always paying attention. I like to really focus in on mental health a lot. And, and I always try to say, hey, just because you see something on the surface, let's let's take a step back and slow down before we pass judgment because we don't know what's going on in some of these guys' lives, and, and a lot of it could do with mental health. If some of these guys that you wrote about in this, in this book about the 86 Giants had some of the medical attention and, and the facilities and, and all the things that these guys have now, and these guys now aren't out of the woods, but still they, it seems like they give themselves at least a better chance with the way that technology has, has gone forward. Yeah. Um, I think you have to also remember that, you know, back when they played, that it was almost barbaric, right? In terms of when they suffered concussion, I, I, you know, I used to say, "Well, you guys bell rung," so mm-hmm. they bring them to the sidelines, and the and the team doctor would say, "You know, what's your name? Um, can you count to five? What day is today? And do you know where you are?" and if the player happened to be able to answer those questions, they said, okay, you're good to go. Right. And, you know, in in many cases they had suffered a concussion, whereas today with concussion protocol, they wouldn't be allowed back in the game. And when you, what I've learned is that when you suffer a concussion, that makes you more susceptible to the next one. Mm -hmm. So if these guys were going back in games that they've already suffered concussion, um, what, what damage did they do? by continuing to play on that, in that particular game. So, you know, you're right. I mean, technology is, is improved and um, there's more things available to these players to have things, you know, detected. Uh, CTE is not one of them. Right. As of yet, it, you know, it's only detected posthumously when they, a lot of these players have been donating their brains. Um, but, I think that players didn't go into their in, – in, in that period of time, Q, I don't think the players knew enough. Right. And and I always got the impression that the teams didn't know enough. But I put more of the onus on the teams because they should have known better or they should have done the research. You know, you're not going to find a 22-year-old guy doing research on concussions in 1985 or 86. That it, it just isn't realistic. So uh, I think these players got let down by their employers, and a lot of them are really paying a heavy price today. I agree 100%. Again, Gary Myers is our guest. He's author of Once a Giant. And, Gary, some of these some of these characters that are in this on that 86 championship team, I mean, you're thinking about guys like Phil Sims, Mark Bavaro, 
Harry Carson, Lawrence Taylor. How was that writing about guys like that, those personalities and those big-time players? Yeah, I, I love, always loved writing about them um, in the newspaper uh, when they were playing. And being able to you know, reconnect with a lot of them now and, and you know, already having that built-in trust factor because I had prior relationships with them, I was just really impressed by how forthcoming they were about some very sensitive topics in their lives. Um, co- covering that group of giants was just fantastic because there was a story in every corner of the locker room. It was really a lot of fun. It was also a different time with the media where the players actually were in the locker room during the locker room period mm-hmm. instead of being in the lunchroom or the trainer's room, not want to talk. And you didn't have PR people you know, pushing you away or ending interviews early. The players in those, at that time actually liked talking to the media. Right. And I think, I think part of that had to do with they weren't making a lot of money. They wanted to project a really positive image. So perhaps it would lead to endorsements or off-season jobs where they could supplement their income. Now these guys are making so much money <laughs> that they don't really care if they get a commercial on that for you know a hundred thousand or whatever they pay, right? Because they're already making four million dollars a year. You know, even the guys who are, are not stars are making a ton of money. Yeah, no, they are. The book is called Once a Giant. I know Amazon. You can get it. You can get it by way of Kindle, the audio book. Let everybody else know where to get the Once a Giant, Gary. Yeah, it, it, today is, it was a release day, so it's in all the bookstores and nice. um, and certainly all the online services, like you mentioned, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and, and whatnot. You just Google it, and you'll find a thousand different places you can buy it. And um, I, I really think this is an important book mm-hmm. because it really addresses a, a very important issue. And I, I try to do it in a way that it's not 300 pages of you know, making it a real downer. I talked about how this Giants team became a real brotherhood mm-hmm. and a bond developed that's still very strong 37 years later that when one of them is in trouble, they all rally around supporting him, whether it's Harry Carson you know, organizing a group or, or Bill Parcells or another player. that um, th- there was Parcells always says when you win a championship together, a blood kinship is formed. And I think this team is a perfect example because they're almost as tight today as they were 37 years ago. That's awesome. That's special. I know those relationships in those locker rooms are really special, and I can only imagine winning a championship. Excuse me. <clears throat> winning a championship would make it even that more special. Well, my man Ari just tweeted out the the link on Amazon that you can get Once a Giant uh, by Gary Myers. Gary, thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you. Uh, take care, too. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Gary Myers right there. Uh, The book, Once a Giant, it's out right now. A story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. And as I mentioned, my man Ari tweeted out a a copy of the link so you can check it out on Amazon if you'd like to. Uh, Again, from the Raider Nation Radio 920 Twitter account. That's R&R 920 AM. 3.46 at the time. We'll come back, close out hour number two of the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Here pressure. come the Broncos with pressure. They pick it up. Garoppolo, still with time in the pocket. Escapes out to the 35. Get to the 30. And he gets out of a tackle at the 25. Yes. Stays in bounds and has the first down. Garoppolo with his legs about to seal this game for the Raiders here in Denver with an eight-yard scramble. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. That's my man Ari who's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. I like to call it Studio Q. 
course, Unnecessary Roughness is brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Shout out to my guy Mordecai. They do a fantastic job. We definitely appreciate them. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Coach Keith Jones from Bonanza High School, recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. I talked to him in training camp for the Silver and Black and uh, get an opportunity to talk to him again about his team, Bonanza, topping uh, Centennial, Cheyenne, excuse me, 36-0. Uh, over this past weekend, so or last week, so shout out to him getting their first uh, league win, league victory of the season of the young season. So we'll talk to Coach Keith Jones coming up at four o'clock. Patty Davidson from Bet the Money Honey will be in studio coming up at four thirty. But right now we want to hear from you at seven zero two three six five nine two hundred in the Don't Be Broke dot com text line six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Thoughts on the Raiders' next opponent after seeing what the Bills did on Monday Night Football versus the Jets. And also, what do you think the Raiders need to focus in on? What do they need to clean up as they're uh, in West Virginia right now preparing for the Buffalo Bills? Got a text from uh, Just Win Wendy, good friend of the show. Hey, Q, I do hate the Donkeys team, but had to laugh at the fans. I used to live in Boulder, and my friends there were saying, yeah, we still suck. That game last night was so emotional for both teams. The Bills are going to be determined to... The, the Bills are going to be determined to kick the pants off the Raiders. I think our de- defense can hand three and outs to Josh Allen with him playing hero ball. What we need to do win is sharp to do to win is sharpen up our offensive strategy. Get Jimmy G to trust all his pass-catching teammates a bit more, and we can dominate in Buffalo while they are struggling. That's from Just Win Wendy. And, look, the thing is, Jacoby Myers, what's going to be his availability, if anything? He's in the concussion protocol, and he took a wicked hit. I mean, he really did. There's a reason why, as we just talked to Gary Myers about the aftermath of, of uh, you know, playing in the NFL and small, fast car crashes that happen each and every play, what happened with Jacoby Myers was a massive car crash, right? That was all bad, and you knew it immediately when he got hit. That was one of those that they've been trying to take out of the league for a very long time, and, well, they weren't able to do it. So that's – well, they are. They're able to do it, but still guys like Kareem Jackson still go headhunting for a, a Jacoby Myers, and that's unfortunate. So I don't know what his availability is going to be. Joshua Daniels mentioned him being in a concussion protocol. So we'll see if he's available for Sunday. But if not, this is where a guy like Hunter Renfro can shine. He only got 13 snaps on Sunday. A lot of Raiders fans were upset, but this is where he's got the opportunity to shine if Jacoby Myers all of a sudden goes down. The Raiders wide receiver room is very, very deep. That's one thing I can say about that. Let's quickly take a call from Raider X. Welcome to the show, my man. What's on your mind? Hey, you hit exactly where what I was thinking is, you know, what are the alternatives and what we need to work on, you know, because of the, the shortcomings or, you know, the injuries. And you hit it on the head, you know, with Myers. You know, this is the time, just like uh, the, the coach talked about, it just didn't play into his pocket for him to get into the mix for Hunter. So I think that this is his time to shine because, uh, I, you know, just like your last guest, he hit it on the head. I do not see him playing. Um, hope he does, but you know, as the person and as a human being, I hope he. I hope he gets right, and maybe the the, the week off, you know, will, will do him good. You know. Um, also on the defense, you know, um, I, I really wasn't too impressed continuously with um, with Merrick. I think this carries over from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, he did have that one play where he chased down and pretty much saved the saved the day on uh, you know crossing some field. But un- but un- up until then, and even after that, he seems like a like a complimentary player. Uh, he's kind of I wouldn't even say the you know the the, the Robin to the Batman because uh, he he just doesn't do enough. He seems like he he adds on to tackles or he's a he's a cleanup guy. He never see that initiation. He just not that he's not that dude. Right. And maybe and and now that he has that club, it's not like he was going to catch an interception anyways. Right. Um. <laughs> so 
hey, you know, maybe it's a time for to see, let's see the, you know, Paulo, Paulo Val, you know, come in there. Right, no doubt. Raider X, thanks for the call, my man. I appreciate you. We got to go real quick. Coach Keith Jones from Bonanza High School, he'll join the show next. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.